0: And welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host, Matt Solomon, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Steve Thompson. This podcast is brought to you by Hawking Dynamics, the world leader in innovative force plate technology. Hawking Dynamics takes a user-centric approach, featuring a fully customizable cloud-based software that allows users to easily digest and analyze complex forceplate data. The technology is constantly evolving, much like an app update for your iPhone. They communicate with users on a daily basis to make their system better. In addition to all of that, they also offer some of the most competitive prices for bilateral force plates on the market, and they're the only force plate company offering a completely wireless system. So, if you want to find out more, check out their easy intro to force plate section at www.hawkingdynamics.com forward slash blog. So, without further ado, it's time to welcome Steve onto the show. So, Steve, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here.
1: Thank you very much for having me on.
0: Excellent stuff. So, can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you're up to until now?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So, um, Steve Thompson from uh, based at Sheffield Hallam University. I'm, a, I'm a currently a senior lecturer and course leader for the MSC in Strength and Conditioning Coaching. Um, I'm also a, sort of a part-time S&C coach for the City of Sheffield and GB Diving and. and uh, simultaneously work for Barnsley Football Club Academy, uh, primarily with their under-15s and 16s. Um, but the most exciting part of my role, I suppose, at the moment is my PhD, which centers on uh, velocity-based train- training and, and kind of using that as a, as a prescriptive aid. Um, so I'm coming into the final year of my PhD and uh, sort of a stone's throw away from, from finishing data collection, which is extremely uh, nice to be able to say. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to kind of getting getting stuck into the data and, and getting things written up.
0: Absolutely. Excellent, mate. So you're a fairly busy man with uh, a few different teams and a PhD on the side.
1: That's the one. Yeah. It's um, luckily that, you know, the, the, the traditional kind of academic role is there's, there's a little bit of freedom there with, with time and, and, and self-management of, of of things that you need to do. So, so it, it works, but yeah, we have, I definitely have some uh, some very busy periods of the year. Um. So in terms of velocity-based
0: training, uh, let's crack on with the most important um, part of it. So, what what is it, and why is it
1: important? Okay, so yeah, VBT. Um, so I think VBT kind of originated from uh, from an S and C coach over in the US called Brian Mann. And now, d- don't quote me on this, and which might be hard, since this is being recorded and, and sent out to the masses. But um, <laughs> it's I'm, definitely I'm, quotable, I'm, mate. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm pretty sure that he. He coined the phrase velocity-based training drunk whilst at a conference maybe 10 or 12 years ago. I may have misheard that, but I'm pretty sure that's where it came from. And it seems as though the the term VBT is, is, um, has stuck. And it's, it's essentially just been marketed extremely well by a number of different te- technology companies. Um, and it's now become a bit of a buzz term. But for me, velocity-based training... Doesn't really explain the way in which we should use velocity. It's, it's actually a bit of an umbrella term, um, and for me, it's uh, underneath that term of velocity-based training sits a number of different um, approaches and methods that are that are quite specific in the way that they need to be used. Um, so, if we take kind of the the three main prescriptive roles of an SNC coach, obviously the the kind of the the, the roles and, and um. Uh, goals of, a, of an SNC coach spans a lot a lot wider than, than programming prescription and prescription. but if we take the, the three main roles as I see it, um, we've got testing and monitoring, we've got load prescription and we've got sort of volume control and, and fatigue regulation. Now for me, velocity based training or velocity based measures um, sit very nicely under those three little banners. Um, so we've got load velocity profiling, which is essentially looking at the interaction between load and velocity. Um, so it's 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 pretty much a, an incremental uh, protocol which eventually takes you up to one a one RM. So it's not too dissimilar from a from a, a one repetition maximum test. Um, and we can obviously use that profile to inform a number of different elements within uh, S&C provision. We've then got something called low manipulation, which is kind of uh, using velocity as an auto regulatory tool, which I think is is where it really has its bang for its buck. Um, and then when we kind of we 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 think about vo- volume control and fatigue regulation we can start to think about velocity loss uh, which is uh, a method by which we cut uh, volume based on a drop in velocity maybe that's 10 20 or 30% now obviously um, the combination of all three of those things will always target regulating fatigue that's kind of one of the main aims as a uh, as an S&C coach, is to limit the the impact of fatigue. But I think uh, kind of volume and fatigue often go hand in hand. Um, so I think velocity loss is is a is a tool or a method that can can really help help with that. Um, so I think it it, it can be really really valuable. Um, it's a really valuable tool. It's an additional tool, however. So I'm very much an advocate of of, of VBT or, or the use of velocity. Um. I think it absolutely has a place and I think S and C coaches should try to use it where possible. But it definitely should be a supplementary or a complementary tool to other methods. Um, you know, we know periodization works. We know 1RM testing works and is safe and is reliable. So let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's not completely change things. Let's utilize velocity in 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 different ways. Um, and it's very, very versatile. So let's utilize it. Let's fit it to our own practices and our own environments. And let's uh, let's kind of make it a, a complementary, uh, additional layer of data. Um, and I think that you know, as VBT becomes more popular and as the the term becomes a bit more of a buzz term, it, it almost seems like it's becoming the the marmite of strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. So we've got people out there that, are, that that love it and 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 kind of think that it's the it's almost the holy grail. And then we've got people who seem to despise it in a way um, and, and, and feel like it's challenging traditional methods of, of periodization and, and traditional testing methods. For me, it should sit bang in the middle. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a tool that is appropriate at the right times with the right people to aid something that you're, that you're already doing.
0: I think that's a, an excellent description. So are there any other uh, really important reasons that you uh, might want to use VBT? So you mentioned a couple already um in terms of prescription and uh load monitoring fatigue, are there any
1: other reasons that you might want to use that as a practitioner uh, yeah i think so like i said it's it's multifaceted and it's it's got it's quite far reaching i think um so the, the main the main reason has to be it's 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 arguably kind of the most quantifiable and objective way of regulating load uh volume fatigue et cetera so obviously as an s and c coach we need to be Uh, on top of a lot of the confounding variables, certainly in in sports that aren't strength sports, primarily strength sports, there's a whole host of confounding variables such as nutrition, sleep, um, competition, travel, et cetera, that's going to have an impact on our ability to maintain and and perform certain strength levels. So we need to be able to also regulate that. And of course, there are tools out there, uh, repetitions and reserve, RPE, uh, predictive equations uh, even effective periodization can try to account for the fluctuations in in load and, and 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 hopefully account for some buildup of fatigue but a lot of those in in my opinion have their limitations they're subjective um they're predictive they they have measurement error and and, and all that kind of stuff so for me velocity is is probably the most quantifiable and the most objective way of doing that and um, and i think that's where it gets its biggest bang for its buck um but kind of outside of the 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 maybe the more prescriptive elements i think and the one thing that that vbt does really really well is it creates a a really healthy kind of in-house competitive environment or it can do again in the right setting so it can be brilliant for athlete buy-in it can be brilliant for for either um self competitions such you're trying to beat uh, speeds and loads and, and that kind of thing on a regular basis from session to session. Um, or like I said, create that, that healthy in-house competition, um, between like-minded individuals, which is something that we've done with the divers really, really successfully. Um, you know, it got to a point where they were, uh, we would do something really simple such as, um, uh, unloaded or a 20 K bar, um, counter movement jump at the start of a session maybe repeated or or singles of maybe up to five or six reps and they would track the velocity simply just track mean and peak velocity and and we created a, a leaderboard and we've created some really healthy competition between between our athletes um so there's kind of that that element that's maybe less researched but but i know um a lot of practitioners really value it for in terms of that motivation and that competition that it can can help to uh help to elicit
0: This podcast is also brought to you by Flex. Flex is the latest product to enter the velocity-based training market developed by the team at GymWare. Flex is the only laser-based training system available and it's this unique technology that makes Flex the most accurate and reliable barbell tracking product in the sub 500 US dollar category. It's wireless, portable, and it's super user-friendly. Find out why VBT is such a powerful training method and what separates Flex from the competition at flexstronger.com. I mean, there's a there's certainly a load of great examples of how we can use it. Um, and you, you've just put one into practical context for us. Could you uh, do the same for the other reasons as well? So like, how can we then use uh, our VBT to enhance strength and power work practically? So uh, putting that into the context of, uh, for example, a team sport or an athlete that which you uh, might work with.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, and I think it's a really interesting question. And kind of just before I, I maybe give a, an example, I think, um, one thing to understand is that, that, and I've already mentioned this velocity based measures or the, the application of velocity can be really, really versatile. And I've been, been lucky enough to kind of have a number of conversations with, uh, recently with, um, top level coaches, s coaches from all around the world and, and to really investigate their, their uses of VBT in their own practices. And it, and it, that really highlighted to me how, how different practitioners make it mold it and make it fit to their own, their own environments. So we have um, coaches that, that simply use it as that external motivational tool and that's it. We have some that use it as a testing tool to look at how their interventions may affect the, the load or the force velocity characteristics of their athletes. And then we have some that are a lot more immersed in the session by session, the set by set load regulation. So there's a real full, there's a, there's a full spectrum there. And um, one thing to remember, I think, is that just because you may be limited in time or or limited in resource doesn't mean you can't utilize velocity in some way. Um, So I'll give you an example of of kind of how it could be used in terms of its most immersive way. Um, So typically you would you would potentially take an an individual and you would uh, profile them. Um, using a predetermined load, uh, incremental protocol could be five, six, seven, eight loads, um, could even go down to as, as few as two loads. Um, determine the, the kind of the, the appropriate loads that you want to lift at, um, and then record the velocity throughout that, that incremental protocol. Apply the mathematical model, um, whichever that may, may be linear regression or, or maybe something slightly different like a quadratic equation. Um, And then once you've got that, you you have this uh, predictive equation that you can then utilize um, to find target velocities for any uh, load along the spectrum of which you would like to um, you would like to train your athletes. And essentially, once you've got that data, you can then utilize that in a session by session or even a set by set basis. Um, So. For example, let's say you're you – have a really simple example here. Let's say you're wanting your athletes to lift at 85% uh, 1RM for this particular session, and they, they lift that 85% at 0.55 meters per second. What you would then typically do is you would probably want to determine a, a bit of a zone for that individual because we know that there are obviously there's, – there's measurement error um, associated with technology, with human movement. Um, so we're not going to be bang on that 0.55 every time so maybe we figure out what that measurement error is and we apply that to to create an individualized zone and then we ask our, our athlete to stick within that zone for that particular set or that particular session and if they go faster we increase the load if they go slower we decrease the load and we keep within that optimal range there and that allows us to account for um Maybe athletes getting stronger, but also athletes coming in a bit jaded and a bit beaten up. Um, and then, if we wanted to add the kind of the, the volume control onto that, we could we could determine an appropriate uh, velocity loss threshold, and we could then, dependent on how far away that they would like to be from failure and and, and maximal fatigue buildup, um, and we can then determine a, a, a sensible stop in terms of. Uh, number of repetitions based on that drop in velocity so that's kind of your, your, your very immersed i think way um quite integrated way of using velocity-based training but obviously it goes hand in hand with traditional methods such as uh percentage-based as we sent we, we might want to work at a particular percentage and just assign uh, a, a, a velocity zone to that um, and i think you know if, if we then take the example of a of a team sport athlete they might not have the luxury of going through that full process. So, for for um, let's say football or soccer um, teams, they might want to take some normative data that's already out there. They might want to use some of the the zones, um, so speed, strength, strength to be power zones that have associated velocity targets to them, and implement it that way. Now, we know that that's not as accurate and as 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 valid as we would want it to be. Um, but it's a it's it's a way of utilising it, and I think it's better than not use, using it at all. Um, now, obviously, there are limitations to velocity based training. There's technology. There's the cost of it. There's the reliability of it. There's even the consistency of it. You know, the last thing you want to do is be running around, fix, troubleshooting um, gym awares, troubleshooting push bands, troubleshooting iPads and tablets, um, when all you want to do is actually be on the floor coaching. And I think that also comes into where we need this middle ground for, for velocity-based training. So we want we want to utilize it. We want our athletes to be uh, almost automated with it. Um, but as a coach, I don't think we want our heads in an iPad for the whole session because that takes away from from our role, which is building relationship with athletes, um, making sure that the, the session is running the way that you want it to do, making sure that technique is appropriate, making sure that uh, athletes are on task so i think there are limitations with dbt um and i think kind of my aim with the research i'm doing is to, is to try and find that that halfway house uh, in a sense so that it can be utilized in its most effective manner but also allows a coach to still be a coach and not a, a kind of an ipad junkie if you will
0: I think it's a, uh, it's a difficult balance as well. I've, I've certainly sat there looking at uh, data points in a training session and thought, why am I not looking at the athlete and, and discussing yeah. this? So, um, yeah, after you've done that a couple of times, it becomes clear. And all of a sudden you, you start asking the athlete for their scores and what they thought of it and, and how that compares to the last score. And it gets a little bit easier. But one yeah. thing that I wanted to pick up on quickly is, uh, the use of that, um, the reduction in percentage from your, your maximum as such and where you would set those, those thresholds. Um, can you give us an example of how you would do that in a, in a day-to-day practice?
1: Um, so as in a reduction from, uh, as in where you might finish the profile.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if, if you said, look, um, we want to, we want to hit however many repetitions at around uh, 10% of velocity, uh, decrement, for example. Okay. So, um, yes, yes. so how do you then go about determining the percentage and the, uh, the drop off as such?
1: Right. Yeah. Um, so essentially, the 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 larger the, the, the percentage of velocity loss. So when we say velocity loss, we're talking about um, across the course of a set. Let's say we t- we, we start the kind of the, the, the protocol from either the first rep or the, the fastest rep, which is often the second rep. Certainly something like a deadlift, which we're, we're taking from a dead start. Um, typically, the second rep might be the faster one. So let's say we go from our best rep, our fastest rep, and then we we determine the, the end of the of the set by a, a, a simply a percentage drop off. And the larger the percentage drop off, the closer we are to fatigue, and therefore the greater impact that's going to have on a, kind of more of a hypertrophic response, maybe. Um, whereas if we're wanting to, it's like say we're getting closer to competition we're going into a, a strength and power block, then maybe we want, to, we want in our velocity thresholds to be a lot closer to sort of 10, 15%. So obviously with that, then we're going to be performing less work, less volume, and hopefully we're going to be maintaining our sort of mechanical output. So velocities will be high, force production will be high, uh, even power uh, and, and impulse will be high because we're we're limiting the the impact of fatigue throughout the the course of that set. Um, so I think it's a really it's a really nice way of controlling volume. Um, and what it does account for is the, the differences in, the individual differences in repetition ranges. You know, we all know athletes that we give them 85%, they might smash out seven or eight reps. And we know athletes that we give them 85%, they might smash out three or four reps. And therefore, you know, prescribing five by five, which is the, the typical five by five, 85%, May not actually be optimal for every individual, um, so the velocity loss therefore allows us to to manage that across the course of a of a team in a li- little bit more of a um, I want to say accurate way, I suppose. Absolutely
0: fantastic, mate. So, um, as we as we move on a little bit, I want to look at what you think the future of velocity based training will be. You're you're now doing research into it. Um, hopefully, you can give us some insights into what you think the the next five to ten years will bring for us
1: yeah i think i think in honest um i think technology will dictate a lot of that so i think the technology will continue to develop it will continue to um sort of break new ground in terms of what's capable so things i've kind of thought about and, and and had little conversations with with uh, tech companies and, and and practitioners uh in the past is you know is the possibility of teaming up with alico our worksan and putting accelerometers already in the bar so it's it's already there and we don't have to worry about uh wearables and additional bits of kit um you know there's some pretty cool camera systems out there at the moment which i think that that technology is kind of the next on the list to start to, to really blow up and 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 take on um and then you know maybe even going as far as kind of full wearable suits that 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 provides us with uh you know angular velocities joint kinematics and all the all those cool biomechanical um bits of data that that actually is quite informative to s and c coaches um so i think technology is important and and will dictate a lot of that but i also think for for my from my sort of research and my um my interests I think one RM prediction is is very interesting. It's it's something that that will reignite at some point. Um, so there's been a lot of research that in the past that have has shown that one RM prediction, certainly in some of the larger, more compound movements such as back squat, front squat, deadlift, etc., it's not particularly good. It's there's quite a lot of discrepancy between the predicted one RM and the the uh, recorded one RM. Um, now there's kind of a, a few critiques that i may have on that um which uh maybe isn't the place for for this podcast but but essentially my research is looking to see if there's a better way of predicting uh predicting one RM, which is something i'm quite excited about um as, as geeky as that sounds <laughs> um something i'm quite excited about so so yeah kind of watch this space on on that
0: Absolutely fantastic, mate. So just before you leave, I want to ask you the, the most difficult question which you can imagine, which is, what is the one thing that you see or do differently which the rest of the world can learn from?
1: Yeah, I've been I've been listening to a few of your previous podcasts and I knew this question was coming, so I've, I've kind of thought of a bit of an answer, actually. <laughs> good, um, good. St- staying, in the, staying in the space of VBT, I think the way, way I kind of differ to, to most advocates of VBT is that I don't think it should be used all the time. I think that, um, you know, looking back, you know, using that example of predicting 1RM, the reason I'm interested in that is because I think it allows us to utilize VBT in a, in a really good way, which is to auto-regulate load at the start of a session, predict 1RM, may go up if we're feeling good, may go down if we're feeling beaten up, readjust the working loads for that particular session, and then put velocity away, put the devices away, put the iPads away, and carry on being a coach, beyond the floor. Um, and and, and be a coach building those relationships with your athletes now that obviously negates some of the impact of of what i've mentioned earlier in terms of the the competition and the uh the the athlete buy-in but i think if we can get our athletes to do that themselves and deal with that and and work the technology themselves then you can continue to be a coach so i'd say that that for me um VBT definitely has a place, um, but I certainly wouldn't want if I was a full-time coach. I wouldn't want to use it all the time. I think it's it's best placed at the start of a session, uh, auto-regulate for that session, and then put it away and let's crack on with the with the work uh, that we want, whether we need to do.
0: Mate, absolutely fantastic, Steve. Thanks for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. That.
0: Cheers, buddy. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to Steve for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it, and I'm sure you do at home too. Before we leave, I want to point you in the direction of our free-to-download Performance Digest issue. So if you find it difficult to stay up to date on all of the latest sports science, strength conditioning, rehab, nutrition, you name it, research, then the Performance Digest is, of course, the perfect tool to save you hours of time searching, And we can give you that today for free in the show notes. So all you have to do is click the link in the show notes, download that one completely for free, and you will get 19 different research reviews, which you can use to take your performance to the next level. And before you leave, please hit the subscribe button. That means that we can keep bringing you the best content possible and that you won't miss out on next week's fantastic episode. So that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science to Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.